Today's episode of The Rewatchables is brought to you by Greats. Greats is Brooklyn's first sneaker company. With classic styles for both men and women, Greats made the best for less. All of their shoes are versatile for every moment, casual or formal, including bestsellers like the all-leather Royale lace-up and Wooster slip-on. It's the perfect gift for the holidays. And now you can save 15% on your first purchase when you go to Greats, G-R-E-A-T-S dot com, and use the code REWATCHABLES. What's up, everybody? This is Donnie Kwok of TheRinger.com. I'm here with my Ringer colleagues, Justin Charity. Yeah. And Hannah Georges. Hey, hey. And we are here today to discuss the classic rewatchable movie, Friday. Guys, I know you don't smoke weed. I know this. But I'm going to get you high today. It's Friday. You ain't got no job. And you ain't got shit to do. How the hell are you going to get fired on your day off? So you going to loan me the money or not? I wouldn't feel comfortable lending you $200 without a job. If I was working, I wouldn't need $200. Exactly. Now, Dana told me about that big snake situation. Big worm. Big worm, big hole, big... I don't give a damn! Ice Cube, Chris Tucker, Bernie Mac, Johnny Witherspoon, Tiny Zeus Lister, and Mia Long, Friday. Don't ever, 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 ever come by here. Okay. So, Justin, Hannah, Friday. Let's talk about it. Let's, Let's talk, talk about this movie. <laughs> Let's talk about it. This is, of course, the movie written by Ice Cube along with DJ Pooh, directed by F. Gary Gray. Yes. Who's yes. also in the movie, a cameo. We'll get to that. The movie came out in April of 1995. A good year. A good year. A great year for music. Um, it was three years after the L.A. riots. And in those years prior to 1995, we saw a lot of depictions of South Central Los Angeles uh, from Boys in the Hood, The Menace to Society. But those depictions, for the most part, were sort of the crime and gangster side. Uh, like mad dire depictions. Mad right. dire, nihilistic. Right. Somebody's beloved child always died. A little right. preachy. Yeah, and you were either like the hardest of hardcore gangbanger or like a total square, like Cuba and, and Boys in the Hood. <laughs> right. Uh, but there Cuba wasn't, and everything. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't exactly like a rich tapestry of characters. Uh, it, w- it was like a, a kind of um, a limited or one-dimensional depiction. So into that mix comes Friday. And, and as I mentioned, it was written by Ice Cube, who at the time was not necessarily seen as or not seen at all as a comedic persona. I mean, like this is after his fourth solo album. It was The Predator, but he barely even smiled at that point in 1995. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like at that point, it feels like Ice Cube in the public imagination was him on the cover of America's Most Wanted, where he's doing the like, he's cracking his knuckles. <laughs> Jerry and he Curl. has that grimace. Right. And that's the thing, like Friday is the movie where that grimace sort of falls away a little bit. Right. And, and his, his acting debut was Boys in the Hood. And he had been in a couple movies after that. But I think he was still largely associated with that Jerry Curl, <laughs> you know, <laughs> NWA, never smiling yeah. kind of hardcore persona. So it was kind of a surprise, I think, for him to write a script like this. Yeah, I think you'd see Friday definitely functions as both sort of, a, a, not a rehabilitation, but like a different lens through which to view both Ice Cube and, and The Hood. And that's like he talks about that in, you know, the way that he discusses how this came to be. Right. And so, as we mentioned, he debuted in Boys in the Hood and appeared, I think, in like Trespass and a couple other crappy movies. <laughs> And according to interviews, he was getting scripts, but they all sucked. So he decided to write his own. And uh, he wanted to make a comedic version of the Hood movie that showed a more positive side of South Central. So he had inspirations like Car Wash and Uptown Saturday Night, films like that, as well as like In Living Color, House Party, which were big at the time. So it was meant to be like a day in the life buddy movie in the vein of Cheech and Chong. I am not the biggest fan of stoner movies, with the exception of Friday, which is the transcendental stoner movie, as far as I'm concerned. In the Venn diagram of, like, stoner movie and then, like, classic black film is where this movie falls. Yeah. And, like, Half-Baked is very much on the other side, on the stoner side of it. I think that's a fair point. Okay. In the oral history for Friday, actually, the oral history, which was on Complex, Cube said, quote, everybody was looking at our neighborhood like it was hell on earth like the worst place you can grow up in America. And I'm like, why? I, don't, I didn't see it all that way. I knew it was crazy around where I grew up, but we all had fun in the hood. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it alludes back to what we were talking about, how Menace, Boys in the Hood, even earlier than that, Colors, all showed 
Compton and South Central as these really scary places. Right. In reality, normal people live in the hood. And I think that from the opening credits, you can kind of establish that, you know, this is a normal family that just happens to live in a neighborhood associated with gang violence. Right. I mean, maybe you can speak to that, Justin. Like, from the opening, as soon as, you know, like, the way they introduce the family, it's kind of, like, feels lived in and real. Yeah. I mean, the fact that, like, the first, you know, the argument, the first argument <laughs> between Craig and his father, played by John Witherspoon, is about, like, it's like Craig basically is wants to eat all the cereal in the house. <laughs> there's no milk in the fridge. He uses all the milk. Every time I come in the kitchen, you in the kitchen. In the goddamn refrigerator, eating up all the food, all the chicken, all the pig feet, all the collard green, all the hog maws. I want to eat some of them chitlin. I love pig feet. And his father's complaining about I mean, how he the, eats the, all the, the cereal. The big ass the orange bowl. Right. <laughs> He's eating it out of a mixing bowl. He's eating cereal out of a mixing bowl. His father's nagging him for eating all the food in the refrigerator. You know, it's it's it it is very it's this very normalized sort of. It, there's a lot of levity it, that's suddenly like pumped into this genre. That you're right. Like before that, it seems like it's just so dire and about people dying and having to sell drugs or you know, go to prison. And yeah, I think it's strange how remarkable this movie was when yeah. it came out. Right? Like it it seems sort of easy or it seems obvious that you would have a movie about black people about black and Latino people in the hood and that they would just be people you know um, but that's kind of not the landscape they were coming into and you know Regina King in the BuzzFeed oral history it said um, you know you know those people you are those people and she said I think as great as the Boys in the Hood and Menace Society was they only reference a small part of neighborhood life right shout out to Regina King too I mean <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> small details in the, in, the, in the beginning that immediately kind of signal that this is a you know, this movie pays attention to this stuff is yeah. Regina King, like, sleeping upright. <laughs> so, so she does cut her hair, <laughs> right, right, right. Which, listen, I have spent many a night sleeping like that, so I saw that and I was like, oof, painful. But while we're talking about the positivity, it's sort of, I, I would actually describe Friday as a kind of utopian hood comedy. The one thing that I always notice watching this movie is that even though this is a movie where a drive-by shooting happens at one point, there's never a shot of a police car or a police officer in this movie. That's and an interesting point. Or, or, or white people, for that matter. Right, right. And so in the sense of, like, it's not just that this is a hood movie that's not about, oh, man, life in the hood is terrible. And you could only grow up to resent the people you're surrounded by and want to get out. It's like, you know, there are people fighting. People owe each other money in this movie, and they fight it out. But it's sort of – there's never this moment where – police besiege like this street and sort of break everybody up and victimize people like it's sort of a very contained comedy right Right. although you know there is a gun pulled even if it's for play like in the first what 10 minutes yeah yeah. very check off check off gun right right. (laughs) so you know let's get into the plot a little bit it's pretty low stakes you know as far (laughs) as plots go the narrative is basically an excuse for chris tucker as Smokey and ice cube as craig to sit in the front porch of Craig's house and just watch all these neighbor, neighborhood characters come to and fro. There is an actual sort of money scheme, I guess you could say. There's like $200 owed to Smokey's, uh, to a drug dealer named Big Worm who Smokey sells drugs for. But that isn't even introduced until like about 50, 45 minutes into it. So it's really just these two guys cracking wise. I mean, do you guys feel like plot-wise that this movie's lacking at all, or do you think... No, if anything, I actually think it pulls a neat trick, which is that when Craig and his father are arguing in the beginning of the movie about Craig eating all the food in the house and Craig having gotten fired on his day off, Craig basically gets fired on a Thursday for stealing boxes from his job. Oh, right. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) Right, but it's sort of... The way that 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 scene is written, it's sort of... John Witherspoon over and over again saying, okay, so today you are going to go out and find a job. And it, it feels like that it's it's setting the groundwork for you to think of like, oh, this is a movie where Craig is going to have to spend the day finding a job. That's a good point. And everything goes awry. That's actually the first part of the plot. Right. Craig lost his job on a Thursday. He lost his job on his day off. Right. It's Friday and he needs a new job. Right. And so when Chris Tucker as Smokey comes in later into the, like, you know, 10 minutes into the movie – it's interesting that he sort of hijacks the plot and is like, no, 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 no. Scrap that premise. 
this is a movie about me trying to get you high. Right. It's, it doesn't start like that. It starts right. making you think that it's a movie about a job hunt, and then Chris Tucker ruins it. And it's like, <laughs> no, I'm resetting this movie to be about me trying to make you smoke weed for the first time. I mean, we're not picking nits yet, but I feel like <laughs> the, the whole $200 to Big Worm it doesn't feel like a particularly urgent or necessary plot device. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be here 10 o'clock on the dot, not 10.03, not 10.36. If you ain't got my money or my bud, I'm killing you and him. Donnie, how far did $200 get you in 1995? (laughs) I don't remember. I was pretty young. How far did $200 get you in 1995? I don't know that it's necessary, but it brings us some amazing lines and some amazing points of confrontation. And just, like, the opportunity to see Faison Love with his (laughs) hair curlers, I'll take it. Like, I don't care if it feels false. Like, I'll, it's fine for me. And listeners, you should know that Hannah's my editor, so... (laughs) Hana is the big worm to my smoking. So this makes this podcast episode really special for me. She said play, <laughs> playing with my deadlines is like playing with, with my emotions. emotions. It is. It absolutely is. And I'm, I'm glad that we've established this for the record. So you bring up Smokey. Of course, we got to talk about Chris Tucker, who before he appeared in uh, Friday was basically a deaf comedy jam comedian yep. and had been in House Party 3. It was a bit part. We're going to talk about who won the movie, and, and no spoilers, I guess, but Chris Tucker kind of, <laughs> as soon as he appears on screen, just dominates everyone's attention. And you know this, man! Most of his scenes in the movie, he's sitting next to Craig. He's sitting next to Ice Cube. And it's, as a dynamic duo, they could not seem like two more different people. And that, that contrast really works. Like, Chris Tucker is doing so much heavy lifting. And it's Absolutely. the root of everybody comedy, right? You got the straight man. Yeah. Right, and right. Cube the is definitely the straight man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way that Craig and Smokey interact, it's like Craig is such a relatable character. And I don't know if this is a accurate or not, but the way I viewed it is like O'Shea Jackson, who is Ice Cube, is actually in real life probably more like Craig than he is like Ice Cube or NWA. And like I think Friday felt so lived in and authentic because I think it's true. I mean, not that NWA felt inauthentic. I just think it overall shows that O'Shea Jackson is a masterful storyteller. Right, and a complex human being, right? And so I think one of the most interesting things about this movie for me is that in interviews he said, like, 65% of this was scripted and, like, a lot of this was ad-libbed. Right. And a lot of it was about trusting the cast and trusting especially people like Chris Tucker. Like, there's no way you can script half of the stuff that Chris Tucker says and does and the way that his body moves. Um, and you feel that with Cube, too. Like, he's kind of just running with it and clearly wasn't precious with his words, right? Like, And as you're saying, as far as, like, buddies go, it was, like, the perfect chemistry, like... You have friends like this. You know, Smokey's the guy that's always going to get you into some shit. I mean, I think Craig (laughs) at some point says, like, you always put me in the middle of shit. And that's basically how their relationship goes throughout the film. An important thing about that, though, is that I I think with somebody other than Chris Tucker doing this, you would – if somebody other than Chris Tucker were doing that sort of heightened, very, like, loose body, yappy comedy – you would maybe look at that person in Ice Cube and be like, how are these two people friends? Right, like, why would right. they even hang out? But you just sort of, it makes sense. Right. You look at you look at Craig and Smokey, and even though Smokey clearly gets on Craig's nerves, their relationship totally makes sense. It's just like two dudes from the neighborhood who right. are relatively like peaceful people. I mean, the chemistry, from the moment they appear on screen together, you feel like they've spent their whole lives together. Right. Like, there's, it's seamless. Like, it feels natural. And, and you feel like these guys have been, like, friends but bickering right. since they were, like, you know, young and so. And also that they've hung around that house. Like, right. it, it's specifically that they just feel – you look at them and you look at their body chemistry – and it's like, yeah, they've probably sat on this porch in these two exact <laughs> hand-me-down, right. broke-ass-looking chairs <laughs> for years of their life together. Right. They just look so at home. Right. Right. And the sense that, like, you know, Smokey trying to get Craig high isn't like, all right, I'm trying to get you in some, some trouble. Like, I want you to go down a wrong path. It's like, no, dude, like, I know you're stressed. And, like, this is the thing that I, like, I want to help you out. And, like, even if it's not something you want that much and even if it's something that you're kind of protesting and going to bicker with me about, like, I still have your best interests at heart here. <laughs> um, you still you feel that sort of, like, genuine, if also kind of misguided sentiment definitely coming through clearly. Right. So we have Craig and the Jones family. We have Smokey. And we're about to talk about a bunch of the other characters that come in and out. But first, I want to talk about quickly 
some of the early critical reception of this film. Although it's overall, I think, was favorably received even back in 95. There were two reviews that stood out. I'm just going to read them real quick. Gene Siskel, mm. R- R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very 95 type review. <laughs> Quote, for all of the shouting, mugging, and rap music, <laughs> a surprisingly dull comic yarn. Colorful characters abound, but nothing ties them together. Talk about some old man shit. I knew the picture was in trouble when its first gag involved an old lady spewing obscenities. I think it's like the Jehovah's Witness. Which is actually when I first thought it was going to be funny. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then Karen James of the New York Times wrote, The humor is often lame. The film's weakness is Mr. Tucker, whose exaggerated expressions <gasps> and line readings become annoying. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I was shocked, too. Well, okay. I'm not shocked to hear Chris Tucker described as annoying. Yeah. Right. I just, but the whole thing is that he metabolizes annoying right. as a joyful. That's his character. Yeah. Right. That, that's who he is just in all Chris Tucker characters. He's annoying, but it, he makes that work as a characterization. Right. Yeah. What kind of humor was she into then? She said <laughs> it's lame. What was she into? You know, I, I would love to know what humor th- she This likes. is definitely not to sort of call like their, you you know, critical prowess into question by any means. But I just, I think the thing that comes together for me thinking about those two reviews is it like, do these characters feel like foreign or like, you know, just unrealistic to you in a certain way? Like if you think that old women who happen to be Jehovah's Witnesses who are knocking on every door and encountering people like Smokey, people like Craig might not curse, like that that seems far-fetched to you, then like maybe there's something else happening here. Right. Um, and, and that speaks to Friday being kind of, you know, a new thing. Like, right. uh, you know, maybe Karen James was more readily willing to accept O-Dog, <laughs> you right. know, or, or Doughboy. <laughs> Doughboy, right. <laughs> you know? But joke's on you, Karen, because Chris Tucker ended up becoming a fucking megastar after this movie. Actually, after this movie, and then Rush Hour, and then Rush Hour 2, and then Rush Hour 3, uh, and actually his... Whoa, 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 whoa. You just skipped over the best Chris Tucker. Fifth role. Element. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Johnny knows me. I don't know about that. I, don't know about I do that. know you, Charity. But you know, we'll get to Chris Tucker getting so big that he didn't ever appear in another Friday movie, of which there are three. But then, you know, we're also going to talk about Felicia Izal. Debo, of course. <laughs> yeah. I Debo. Debo. Red. You forgot Debo. Uh, Red. Red. Yeah. So on and so forth. But that's a segue into casting. What ifs. The script was originally written with DJ Pooh as Smokey, but apparently New Line wouldn't sign off as Pooh on Pooh because he wasn't a big enough star, which I think was a smart move. Yep. As we, as we mentioned, <laughs> no Chris Tucker was not yet established, but on the rise. Cube auditioned him and the rest is history. DJ Pooh as Smokey, not going to work, right? Absolutely not. Yeah. No Although, he did kill it as Red. <laughs> I'm tripping, man. You want me to ask for my bike back? You know I wouldn't trip. What bike? The beach cruiser. The one I let you use a couple of weeks ago. The one I've been asking you about. Yes, a lovely part for him. (laughs) (laughs) The way he walked back to the car. (laughs) (laughs) He sort of jangles back to the car. Also considered for Smokey, apparently, Tommy Davidson from In Living Color and Chris Rock. Chris Rock, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Chris Rock's way too New York, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. Chris Rock was more famous than Chris Tucker at the time in 95, but to think of him as Smokey, it, it just doesn't compute. Yeah, I would find Chris Rock in this role annoying. And I like I just think about like even the physical comedy of Chris Tucker in this movie and like watching Chris Rock do that to me would be like a little uncomfortable. It would be, it would look like overacting. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's like maybe it's an age thing. Like I think we can, you know, I'm not sure the exact difference between the two of them, but like just Chris Tucker feels like a younger, more youthful, more like exuberant spirit to me in a way that like Chris Rock sometimes can be like hardened. Okay, so Tommy Davidson also was supposed to be the crackhead Izao. <laughs> and then just another casting note about Felicia, uh, the woman who plays Felicia is Angela Means, and apparently she said her agents wanted her to pass on the part because she's so pretty and she should have played the pretty girl, which yeah, fair. Yeah, she is beautiful. We mentioned earlier. This isn't actually a rewatchables category, but I just made it. It's called Cameo Corner. Blinker, you missed him. You mentioned F. Gary Gray, the director. Yes. Who okay. looks like Chance the Rapper. Absolutely does. Who watched the movie now. <laughs> F. Gary Gray he looks bears like, an uncanny resemblance to Chance the Rapper. Like older, older. Well, actually, you know what? We should mention this, that what's remarkable about the film, many things are remarkable about the film, but one of the things is that all of these guys, Cube, Tucker, F. Gary Gray, the director, they're like 
in their mid early twenties. Yeah. You know, like uh, I think Chris Tucker was twenty three. Cube and F. Gary Gray were like 24 or 25. So it's like, this is all young people, the output of young creative people. So anyway, F. Gary Gray, yes. I don't think he looks like Chance, but he's mopping up in the deli, in the (laughs) deli scene. Megan Good, Blink If You Missed Her. She appears in two scenes, I think, like in the beginning and then the ice cream truck scene with Big Worm. Right. Michael Clark Duncan, R.I.P., is shooting dice when in the red knockout scene. You guys saw him? I've never... You know Michael. Like, you know Michael Clark. I know what he Green, looks like. Green Mile. Just, yeah, yeah. I've never noticed him. You mean the scene where they're shooting craps on the sidewalk when Red is? Yep. Fu- oh, yeah. He's, He's in, in it for scene? like a second, and apparently he oh, wanted I'm, a speaking role. I blinked in. I missed him. And, and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally, in the drive-by, who's the shooter? Dub C. Oh, no. But it's so dark in that scene. How would you recognize anyone? <laughs> because I know my rappers. Oh, <laughs> all right, ver- Donnie. All right. I verified it. This is like the Donnie flexing section. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm also we get old. It. That music cue, by the way, is great. Pay, the pay music cue with Low me. profile. Um, yeah, so one thing I thought about watching this movie is Anna Maria Horsford is Mrs. Jones, right? And she plays this, like, kind of comedic, but, like, also, like, you know, like, strict mother to Craig. And the thing is, but it's still a comedic role, right? And so I, I watched this again this weekend, and I was just thinking, like, an actress who I feel like doesn't get enough roles to do comedic stuff and to play, like, motherly and comedic roles um, is Viola Davis, and I just kept thinking to myself, like, what would this scene look like? And what would it have meant for Viola Davis to have been in this movie in 1995? It's, it's a real Viola Davis vibe. Yes, I totally get where you're it coming is, from. It is. And, like, but with a little bit more range to, like, step into the comedic role. Because I feel like Viola is always pushed into, like, the intense, like, emotional crying. So you're saying for, like, a Friday reboot, maybe? What would this movie have looked like with her in that role? Like, right. I wonder frequently. Right. Would she have been old enough 20 years ago, though? Uh, I feel like she could have made it happen. Yeah. Shout out Anna Marie, what's her name? Anna Maria Horsford, who yeah. was in Amen. Oh, wow. I have not watched an episode of Amen in a very long <laughs> nope. time. Nope, I cannot tell you. <laughs> yeah, she was in What Amen. is the syndication situation for Amen? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about it. That show's kind of been lost to time, it actually. Had, well, not oh. in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jared. You're keeping it alive. Let's move on to the most rewatchable scene. And I think it's kind of difficult in some ways to pluck one single rewatchable scene because I think the first hour is basically a rewatchable hour but for the sake of the podcast <laughs> i chose some and you guys can discuss craig getting high oh yeah that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the one I- <laughs> it's kind of like you're waiting the whole movie for craig to finally take a puff and he finally gets high it's my shit i can do whatever i want to do <coughs> i'm hitting it so hard <coughs> <coughs> oh you fucking up the rotation puff puff give Puff, puff, so that's a scene. Uh, Smokey's Angel Dust flashback with the essays is kind of funny, right? People remember that. A little problematic. A little problematic, maybe? <laughs> we can, Red we'll get, get into that. Red getting his chain snatched by Debo yes. is like the classic bully Debo. My grandmama gave me that chain. <laughs> <laughs> just when they're like, just when Debo approaches, tucking it, you know, like right. taking out their chains. And the thing is, you know much. it's bad for him the moment he's like, I just tucked my head in. <laughs> Because, like, Smokey, like, rips his off and puts it in his back pocket. <laughs> and Red is just like, I'll just tuck mine in. you like, oh. <laughs> it's not the road all, sir. Uh, Bernie Mac scene. Mm, Bernie Mac R. as R. the R. pastor. You know, by Felicia. Has right. obviously right. become super famous. The hell on, Felicia. Remember that. Remember it. Write it down. Take a picture. I don't give a fuck. Craig. Bye, Felicia. Any, any other scenes, maybe, for not to nominate there? I mean, I'm with you. I think it's difficult because the first—I mean, the first hour of the movie really is like a procession of immaculate character bits, right. but they don't—you don't really break them down into scenes because they basically they blend all together. happen on the stoop, right. and right. it's a movie that happens over the course of a day, right. right? So it doesn't feel like okay, scene A is over now. This is scene B, right? right. It feels like it's just like. Smokey and Craig roasting people. Totally. <laughs> right. And and I think that there are like amazing quotes from this, but like I wouldn't call You Ain't Gotta Lie, Craig, the most rewatchable scene. Right. It's just like a thing that you pull out and that kind of sticks with you. But like that scene itself is what, 15 seconds long? You yeah. know? So like. Totally. It's like those are like memorable lines, not necessarily rewatchable scenes. But again, I think everything is pretty much rewatchable. You said right. the Angel Dust thing might have been a little. Yeah, we can get into that in a minute. Uh, okay. <laughs> Why get into it now? Like, well, what? I've. I think the reason why Craig getting high works is it's not just because 
you know, the movie and Smokey's set up the idea that, like, you're waiting for Craig to finally get high. He's so stressed out and tense. You're waiting for him to get high. But it's also, like, once he's once he starts smoking, the way Cube plays that right. and his body language shift right. and his, like, chuckling. <laughs> yeah. <he's> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, when he's offering to make the Kool-Aid. It's just, like, it's he doesn't overplay it. Right. It's right. Very, for, for a character who, again, he's he, Craig's already the straight man in the movie. Right. And so it would be weird if he overplayed it and he was all of a sudden, like, like Smokey exactly. running in front of a car with no clothes. Right. You know what I mean? Instead, it's these very subtle shifts of him just seeming like he's saying these weird non sequiturs and being kind of He's just chuckling a lot. But again, that's not even a scene. It's like a progression that takes place over like 15 minutes. Right. And it's also remarkable because, like you said, at the top of the the podcast, it's like it's Ice Cube and you're so used to Ice Cube scowling at you. Right. right? And all of a sudden you're in this movie. And he's like like vulnerable. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And he's goofy vulnerable. He's not scared. He's not shook. He's just like. And they play, I think they play Cypress Hill the moment he like <laughs> a little on the nose. Right? My vote goes for Red getting his chain snatched by Debo just because it's like there's a lot of moving parts in that scene yeah. and there's like a, uh, you know you get Debo, you get Red's cameo which is good and Cube and Smoker reacting to Debo. What's up, y'all? What's up, Red? Thanks for the bike. But you got my forty, homie. I thought you had two hundred dollars. I do, but I want to spend Red's money. I'm broke. That's my vote. All right, I'm voting for the Craig scene, and not even because of Craig, but because of Smokey's dancing specifically, like these Michael <laughs> yeah. Jackson ass moves. Yeah, is it, is that the beginning of Chris Tucker basically saying? In every single movie or public appearance, I will do Michael Jackson <laughs> moonwalk. I don't know, but I hope that it is. You and know, I, it, got, it got him in a Michael Jackson video. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, so I think that, like, clearly to many other people was very rewatchable yeah. to the extent that they wanted to watch it in other places. So, therefore, it wins for me. <laughs> Charity, do you, you just I'm, I'm voting with you of, of Craig, I mean, of Red getting his chain Wow, snatched. okay. I'll just, stand alone. That's fine. Because, I'm yeah, it's it's... The moving parts, and they're like the core moving parts of the movie, and they set up the end game of the movie. And I just love Debo. So, <laughs> Debo. Let's talk for a second about Debo. Like Tiny Lister, mm. you know, was known as a wrestler, I guess, where he was in the WWE. Shout out to Shoemaker, and uh, <laughs> appeared in a Hulk Hogan movie called No Holds Barred. So he was actually one of the more famous people next to Ice Cube uh, to appear in the film, but. I mean, Debo is one of those characters that's just indelible, you know, like I, I've seen interviews with Tiny Lister since and he is just Debo. I mean, yeah. like that's him. <laughs> is it really that precisely Debo? He's just like a bully who just takes people's money and is rude? Well, apparently the behind the scenes thing, he's like, as many giant people are, he's very gentle and, and kind of sweet and, of and getting joked on all the time. But, you know, like. The, you know, he's a huge guy with a blind in one eye that kind of just lumbers in, in and out of the movie and yeah. creates havoc. And shout out Tiny Lister and Debo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's move on to what aged the best. I have a couple of nominees, and you guys are free to nominate. F. Gary Gray's career, because after this, he yeah. made Set It Off, The Negotiator, Italian Job, I'm Skipping Some, but then Straight out of Compton, Fate of the Furious, Box Office Mojo, Lit. Absolutely. Yeah, so... Clothing in the movie. Oh, uh, okay. Has aged well, surprisingly, right? All right. Or maybe not surprisingly, because 90s is big now, but Craig's flannel, timeless. Khakis, chucks, Can clean we, t-shirt. Well, one all thing, right. the one gear. <laughs> well, first of all, first of all. <laughs> is it not timeless? Yeah, <laughs> Nia, Long's, Nia Long's athletic gear ages well, very okay, well. Okay, so my nominee I mean, for Nia this Long. is Nia Long. She, Nia Long actually. has the Ivy Park collection in Friday for some reason. Yeah, my uh, nominee for said this Nia Long yet, is Jesus. Nia Long. And also Regina King, but specifically Nia Long. I like implore you to look up a picture of Nia Long in 1995 and one in 2017 and just look at them next to each other and tell me that there is 22 years yeah. between those. And just, you won't believe it. It's ridiculous. I mean, Neil Long straight up lights up the screen the moment she comes Absolutely. in. It's like, it's it's amazing, actually. <laughs> so actually, yeah. Neil Long wins. I didn't yes, even have her done. Great. But, yes. <laughs> agreed? Yeah, it's weird because in the beginning of the movie, re-watching it the past couple of days, I, I watched it twice in the past couple of days, and it's sort of, Sets her up as somebody who, I mean, the, her first shot is a slow-mo shot of her running right. and Craig and Smokey staring at her. 
And a worse movie would sort of just have her stuck with that and like right. catcalling for the rest of the movie. But she, I don't know, she gets the blackout on Debo at one point. Yeah. That's like the main. Right. All right, so Neil Long wins what age the best and for what age the worst. There's the obvious analog phones, <laughs> beepers, Craig's mom saying, I know it's her because I star 69. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you guys know what star 69 yeah. is. Yes, okay. Donnie. All right. All right. So, uh, you okay. guys didn't know I'm in. Oh, you did. All right. The, wow, gi- the okay. giant boombox. I think that aged pretty well. And Felicia saying, can I use your VCR? I want to dub a tape. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually I forgot when I watched last night. I laughed. Um I think the body shaming with the whole uh, Ooh, yeah, that, yeah, Janet yeah. Jackson, Freddie Jackson, it's still a not funny great. bar. That's a weird Okay, so what we're talking about is like, uh, you know, Debbie, uh, Nia Long sets up Smokey with her friend who, she se- who, who tells Smokey that she looks like Janet Jackson. Right. And then when she arrives on the scene, she's a little heavy and Chris Tucker takes her hair out and basically just disses her to her face. Right. It's like the one mean-spirited scene in the movie is the yeah. weird thing. Yeah, and it's like, we didn't need that. Yeah. Um, I also think, you know, to come back to the angel dust scene, uh, I also think a lot of the, like, Mexican accents in this are unnecessary. We didn't need to do We didn't need to do all that. Yeah. Um, and there, there are a couple moments where I'm like, yeah. like we didn't have to use, we didn't have to pull this in especially because so much of this movie is about complicating the way that we think and talk and and depict folks um living in the hood. It's like we don't got to we don't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah, they're kind of like easy jokes that yeah. are low hanging. Uh, I have a, also something that aged the worst how fucking frail the weed looks. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yo, that's actually a good point. <laughs> I think you notice it especially when he goes to sell to the the two dudes in the car, the oh. two dudes he, Hector and his and Hector's friend, right. who Smokey doesn't like. But they're like, he, they're like twenty sacks that look like thimbles. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It looks like he's going to sell a plastic bag to them. It just looks like he's holding an empty plastic bag. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna go with the body shaming thing, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, I don't yeah. know. What do you yeah. Guys no, I yeah. think it's a weird scene. I think it's yeah. a it's it's still kind scene. of a funny line, though. I'm not gonna lie, but it did but make the, me. It gave me pause when I was watching it in 2017. But it's also sure. it's like she's not unattractive, so it's right. she, the joke doesn't right. scan too. Right. On that note, we're gonna take a smoke break. Just kidding. We're gonna go to a break, and when we come back, we're gonna hit the half-ass internet research corner, heat check, Apex Mountain, and who won the movie. Today's episode of The Rewatchables is brought to you by Hotel Tonight, an awesome app for finding and booking great deals at great hotels. The holidays are coming up, and you know what that means. Lots of family time. But with the Hotel Tonight app, you can have the best of both worlds. Visit your family and stay in a sweet hotel. No crashing on an air mattress in your old bedroom that your parents turned into a gym. You don't even have to wait until your family starts to drive you crazy. You can actually book a room up to seven days in advance everywhere, and up to 100 days in advance in certain major cities, which means you can lock down your holiday plans before you head home. Or wait until the last minute if that's more your speed and make a break for it when Uncle Tony starts talking politics. Whether you need a room for tonight, the holidays, or beyond, you definitely want to download the Hotel Tonight app. Because while home is where the heart is, hotel is where the hot tub is. So this year, pull out of the pullout couch and get a room with Hotel Tonight. We're also brought to you by Proper Cloth. Finding a dress shirt that fits is hard. Something is always off. Thankfully, ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier with Proper Cloth. At propercloth.com, you can easily create a custom shirt size in seconds just by answering 10 simple questions. Not to mention, you can choose from over 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, and 500 fabric styles, from classic to business, to completely customize your shirt and get the style that you want. The team at Proper Cloth works with the best fabric producers from around the world and only buy fabrics that meet their high-quality expectations. Each one of their shirts goes through extensive quality control testing, so you're getting the absolute best quality and craftsmanship. Best of all, Proper Cloth guarantees a perfect fit, meaning that if somehow your shirt doesn't fit perfectly, they will remake it for free. This is the future of shirts. These shirts are made completely custom for you, starting at just $80. So stop wearing shirts that don't fit and start looking your best with a custom fitted shirt. Go to propercloth.com slash rewatchables today. Enter gift code rewatchables to save $20 on your first shirt. Do it today. All right. And now back to the rewatchables. All right. We're back. Half-ass internet research corner. I'm just going to read a bunch of shit I got from the internet. 
and you guys can just interject whenever you comment. <laughs> Story the movie was shot on director F. Gary Gray's old block, where he lived in junior high school, 126 in Normandy. Aww. And the scene where Debo knocks out Red, that affirmation scene actually, is the house the director grew up in, uh, in <laughs> front of the house that he grew up in. Has he ever talked about, has F. Gary Gray ever talked about whether he, I know he said that like loosely Friday is based on his impressions of his neighborhood, yeah. but was he ever out, was he ever out for $200 to somebody or did he ever like, <laughs> well, know somebody I mean, like Debo? He, he, <laughs> he directed it, but didn't write. I mean, it's, yeah. no, it's mostly right. a cue. Okay. Yeah. Also, F. Gary Gray, this is not half-assed internet research. He directed, it was a good day video from Ice Cube. So yeah. that's kind of how they, he had directed a couple Cube videos and that's how they were connected. The neighborhood itself, it's a crip neighborhood, which is why there's nothing red in the movie. Like, uh, they didn't want to draw the ire of the local gangs. And pretty much all of the clothes were bought at the Slauson Swap Meet. Yeah, <laughs> used to go there. <laughs> uh, John Witherspoon said, John Witherspoon, who played the father, said they all got paid around $5,000 each. Dang. Some of that Do was, yeah, didn't he say a lot of that was out of Cube's pocket? How does that work now? Do they get residuals now? Right. <laughs> like somebody's getting some residuals from this? I don't know. I mean, this is a $3.5 million budget, I believe, and it made $27 million, But yeah. I think originally the budget was not going into actors because they were all mostly unknowns. Right. Yeah. It just seems like the sort of movie that John Witherspoon should be able to eat out on for the rest of his life. Right. So, dang. He pretty much does. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, Kathleen Bradley, who played Miss Parker. Uh, the curvy neighbor from across the street <laughs> <laughs> was the first black Barker beauty. Oh, wow. Bob Barker beauty on Price is Right. Dang. And was wow. spotted there by a casting director. Yeah. Rest in peace, Bob Barker. Gold. Uh, Smokey in the movie drives a shitty Let's 1976 <laughs> Ford Pinto. I love that Pinto. <laughs> that Ford Pinto is the best character in no. the movie. That no. car. Keep that it. car. If you really, if you really look at just individual shots of that car, that is the ugliest car that has ever been in a movie. Yeah. Right? Well, apparently, F. Gary Gray thought the same because he saw it on Western Avenue. He said, and instantly, <laughs> he knew it had to be Smokey's car. Oh, oh man. And he said he actually, you know, like the, you know, like the lock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. He just added that in post, <laughs> which makes it even funnier. Because the, the, the bit they give the car is that, and the the car backfiring. All the time. But to me, the best shot of that car is, like, after they leave the store where the crackhead, try, like, gets them to get Smokey to buy a 40 for him. Mm-hmm. And it's just the one slow shot of the car in the movie where, where Smokey's parking in front of Craig's house. And it's the one time you get a long shot of that car and you realize how deeply fucked up it is. <laughs> and you just wonder how this car possibly works. And it, it just makes the, the rest of the movie feel so real. Yeah. Uh, that he he is a broke guy who drives who drives a truly broken car. <laughs> Agreed. I just really relate to that. I grew up driving a As 1989 Nissan Pathfinder. <laughs> I was born in 1987. You do the math. On that. <laughs> Han, I think you mentioned earlier how much of the film was improvised. Well, apparently Chris yes. Tucker wasn't originally in the "You Got Knocked the Fuck Out" scene. Oh, he just ran in the shot. <laughs> Chris Tucker, <laughs> you got knocked the fuck out. All the more reason nobody else could have done that role. Was the scene originally just the crackhead then doing his part? The I don't, I don't kill, I steal, I steal, and he just yeah, I, it honor. must be. Dang, Chris Tucker is a legend. Chris Tucker <laughs> is a legend. And then finally, Anthony Johnson, who played Isal, the crackhead, said he had a brother and sister actually on crack that he used for inspiration. Ooh. It's kind of dark. That is yeah, very, very dark. dark. But you know, it maybe lent to a, a more compelling performance by him. Yeah. So. Um, I did a little half-ass internet research yeah, myself. Yeah, bring, bring it. According to my trusted source and the trusted source of teens everywhere, Wikipedia, <laughs> um, Craig's situation of being fired on his day off was allegedly based on Cube's cousin, who at the time was working for UPS. Mm-hmm. And I realize this comes from Wikipedia, but I believe it because UPS and USPS, which I will not leave out of this, are evil organizations. And so I believe that they would fire a hardworking black man on his day off. Yikes. Somebody got beef with the mail. <laughs> no, listen. <laughs> <laughs> Is this time for a stamps.com ad? Oh, man. <laughs> so let's go on to the best heat check performance by a role player, the Dion Waiters Award. And this is a movie, it's going to be hard yeah. to narrow it down. We haven't even really mentioned, we've talked about Tiny Lister as Debo, we've talked about John Witherspoon, we've talked to, briefly about Bernie Mac, we haven't really talked about on Love that much, mm-hmm. or Paula J. Park, who plays Joy, or we talked about Regina King's like a little bit, but there's Stanley, 
there's Chris, Lil Chris. Yeah. Even Smokey's mom, I thought, was just in a couple scenes, but mm-hmm. asking her to buy cigarettes <laughs> and just like, talking on the Make phone. Make it enough. <laughs> it obviously can't be Craig or Smokey because they're, yeah, the, yeah, they're the principals. Of course. So role players. Yeah, this yeah. is a tough one because there's so many to choose from. I think I... Before this, I would have said Joy just because I love her scene so much and it's been very iconic in the way that I speak to people. Um, (laughs) But, you know, jokingly, of course. Uh, But no, I rewatched this and John Witherspoon is it for me, specifically because of the scene when he's talking about the gun. He's like, you know, this doesn't make you a man. Like, you know, you fist fight, like you win or lose, you stay alive, whatever, whatever. All that just felt like a slight. Are you queuing up charities with John Witherspoon before? I, I wasn't, but I could happily be. In Sorry fact, to cut you off <laughs> no, no. It feels a little after school, especially, right? But it just like, you know, he's feeling himself, he goes for it, and like, I'll allow it. It's red, man. Why red? I, I just think that, that that's the most thankless role. Like, your your job yeah. in that movie just that to, point <laughs> is to get beat up and clowned for the, the victim. whole movie. Yeah, you're just the victim for the whole but movie. But he plays it well. Yeah, yeah like I said, sure. the one scene where he just is, he's crying and he saunters off to his car and yeah, sobs yeah. in his car and yeah, pulls yeah. off like it's just it's such a touching scene <laughs> it's such a touching scene I, I think know. John Witherspoon is great I think Red is great or DJ Pooh as Red is great I'm still gonna have to give it to Debo Debo has his own music <laughs> and Debo persists. Last yeah, week, I was know, gonna like, say Debo's like icon. Debo's like a line, you know, like a bar. Now. Yeah, it's like, almost just like a, a name yeah, for like a, a bully pun- now. Right, like, right. You got Debo. Debo right. is so iconic that I can't help but watch The Dark Knight, which is itself an iconic movie, and think, why is Debo bullying, <laughs> 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 bullying police officers on the cruise on the on the boat? Wait, Debo's in The Dark Knight. Yeah, the tiny Lister is the, the oh, prisoner shit. who throws the detonator off the ship in The Dark Knight. Say what? And I can never watch that scene. <laughs> Being like, why is Debo Debo moved to New York or Debo moved to Gotham, got arrested, (laughs) and then became part of the Joker's plot to destroy Gotham? That's how iconic Debo is. We'll give it to Debo. Yeah. All right, all right. (laughs) All right, so Apex Mountain, which means, you know, like, is this the peak of their career? Cube. No, right? No. no, it's not, but it's 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 close. <laughs> but it's like, a memento so what, 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 of the best of Cube. You know, like Cube obviously went on to do Barbershop, Three Kings, multiple Barbershops, <laughs> multiple Kevin Hart movies. Has he made a better movie than Friday? Mm. No, no, no. So this might be his apex as an actor. What's the thing? His, his Three Kings com- is really good, but you know he's like not a main. But, right, I was like, this is Cube's movie. Right. Well. Well, I mean, yeah, in a, like in a constitutional sense, it's yeah, just yeah. it's hard to say that because performance-wise, it's a Chris, it's so it's so effective as a Chris Tucker vehicle, right? Right. Well, you know, like Barbershop actually is low key really, I think, pretty good. All, no, I love Barbershop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 Beauty yeah, Shop, yeah. I'm sure. I just I don't know. I I think this movie it's still not Cube's commercial peak, and it's not his stardom peak, but it is like the peak of Cube balancing all the weird elements of his career. Him yeah. being like a sort of more realistic gangster figure and also being like a softer comedy type. Right. And this is sort of the, it's the crux. It's the crux right. of every angle that Cube has ever done. Well, it's like the pivot point kind of, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it holds like his multitudes the best. Right, and it's the one movie where he nails all of his multitudes. Yes. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. So Chris Tucker then, the question would be, do you think he's better in Friday than he is in the Rush Hour movies or The Fifth Element? Oof. Is this... I mean, again, we mentioned that all of them were in their early 20s Yeah. at this point. So it's hard to say someone's apex. It's cruel maybe to say their, their <laughs> apex was that early in their yeah. life. But did Chris Tucker get better? People do love the fuck out of Rush Hour. I think Rush Hour 2 Chris Tucker is better than Friday Chris Tucker. I'll allow that. I, th- I think he's he's obviously leading that movie more. And he's hamming it up in a way. He's hamming it up. 10 degrees higher than he's hamming it up in Friday. And I just, if anything, on the strength of that outtakes credit sequence for Rush Hour 2 and him ranting about gefilte fish on an airplane, <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. I, To me, that's peak. Should we, should we give it to John Witherspoon then? Since we, we kind of stopped. That's the thing. Chris, I mean, John Witherspoon has such a... I mean, he's been in a ton of movies. Right. Yeah. Like, how do you even begin but maybe to assess this the is career? It, and he was the dad on the Wayne's Brothers show. Uh. 
just a good show. <laughs> and he's granddad on the Boondocks, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. No. But no, I still I think this is I think I think this is Pete Witherspoon. Oh man, I'll wait till you come out. Boy, bring your ass off up in here. What you talking about? You wait till I come out. I smelt your shit for 22 years. Now you can't smell mine for five minutes. Shut the door. Yeah. Him, yeah. Him talking I mean, about the bathroom walls. scene, yeah. the food scene, the yeah. guns. Yeah, yeah. I feel comfortable with yeah, that. I might and he taught, he taught Ice Cube how to be a man. <laughs> he taught Ice Cube how to be a man. Wait, he didn't need a gun to be a man. <laughs> All he needed was his fist to be a man. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> We have unintentional comedy and unanswerable questions. I didn't have anything for those categories. It is a comedy. There's not really right. any unintentional right. comedy unless you guys saw anything. Um. <laughs> unanswerable question is maybe like, does Debo come back and beat their asses later? But there were, well, there yeah. were sequels, so yeah. I guess it kind of, which I didn't watch. My unanswerable question is like, why would somebody steal that many boxes? Like enough boxes to get <laughs> I love that the movie does not answer the question. One, is it even whether gonna, Craig is guilty of yeah, stealing the boxes. Right. And two, right. was he trying to build a tree house? Exactly. Was he like why? <laughs> it's why fine. I don't need those, but I'm just saying like that is a question that is never It's addressed. great. Yes. I, I, I kind of love that the movie refuses to answer whether he did it and why he would steal boxes. I also like it, and, and we kind of talked about it in the beginning, how Craig might be kind of on the straight and narrow but he's not like a square yeah, like, yeah he is yeah, a dude yeah. that would for no reason steal some yeah. boxes like, you know? <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> just some dumb shit right so fair 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 okay so nitpicks picking nits Good. chris tucker smoking weed it doesn't exactly look right to me it doesn't exactly inhale the weed and i think it's kind of funny that craig's the supposed non-smoker actually looks like he's smoking yeah, weed. yeah 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 he smokes it he holds it, he inhales it, he exhales it. Every time you see Chris Tucker smoking weed in the movie, he's holding the smoke in his mouth, which is a telltale sign of a non-smoker. Did that bother any of you? I mean, I'm a non-smoker. <laughs> it also, it also, Chris Tucker definitely... Is, it wasn't so bad that it, it kind of like looked... No, it's not yet. Yeah, it's not like that off-putting, but it just... It was noticeable that when Craig takes the joint, he's like... <sighs> leans back. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, the first time I watched this movie, I'd never smoked before, yeah. so it didn't it didn't strike me as strange. I think watching it now, as you know, a more mature person, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but again, not to the point where I'm like, oh my god, I cannot believe this. Right, it's a small one. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Here's another one. I think there's a voiceover from Cube like in the beginning, and then it comes back in the middle. But there's I don't understand why there's only. Two places. It is weird, yeah. especially in the middle. Yeah. What, what is the voiceover in the middle? <laughs> it's when they're going to rob the house next door, and he's like, "Smokey always getting me into shit." <laughs> yeah, it's weird because I forgot the one in the beginning. So you're right. When that happens in the middle of the movie, he's like, "Wait, what? wait, like, what? what? Is this, We're this, doing this? Kind of, this yeah. is the movie with voiceovers in it? Yeah. Is this a detective noir? Like, what's going on?" You're right. That is a weird. That is a weird moment in the movie. Um, Especially because it doesn't come back then after that. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. I, it's kind of like they forgot to cut it. Cut it. So we talked about Chekhov's gun and the, at the, how in the hour mark it kind of flips to getting a little serious and John Witherspoon's Great. speech. Actually, F. Gary Gray talked about it after the movie. He said, in Friday, I wish there was more of a transition to the message. It seems the movie crashes into that moment. You're experiencing all these fun moments and then all of a sudden there's this message. It grounds the movie, but the execution is inelegant. And I think that's a very accurate yeah. description of how the movie does, as Hannah said, pivot kind of to like a after school special when uh, the okay. gun is yeah, produced and the drive by and it kinda does start to veer into like you know, away from what makes it so great in the first hour. Do you agree or disagree? Justin? I think the events in the movie could stay the same. The thing that makes it feel after schooly is this is John Witherspoon's speech. Your mother and I never would have moved in this neighborhood if we had known you need a gun to walk down the damn street. No idea is around here. Oh no, son, that's not the way it is. You kids today are nothing but punks. Sissified. So quick to pick up a gun. You're scared to take an ass whipping. This one makes you a man. When I was growing up, this was all the protection we needed. You win some, you lose some. But you live. You live to fight another day. <laughs> like, I think they just needed to find a different 
sort of acted instead of spoken vehicle yeah. for John Witherspoon to demonstrate, and not a flashback, dear God. I don't, <laughs> want, a fl- I don't want a flashback to John- make up age down John Witherspoon, yeah, yeah, yeah. like no. fighting somebody and losing a fight in black and white. But they needed to find an acting way to demonstrate that. And then in the end, when Cube is confronting Debo, for him to think on that, maybe with like a pensive look on his face before he drops the gun and instead decks Debo in the face. Like that, they needed yeah, to do yeah. it that way. It needed to be a scene as right. opposed to a speech. Right. I, I didn't mind it that much. Yeah. But that's just because I love John Witherspoon giving that speech. So Do, if anyone else had done it, I would have been. I mean, I, I understand also that it was kind of needed to make, as a you know, to move the plot. But I felt like they didn't need to be a drive-by like a drive-by where they were oh, like yeah. Uzis <laughs> spraying and like jumping on top of cars. And it's just like... That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, though, because it does feel so... It feels sharp. Yeah. And it maybe feels a little advised because of how it's f- framed and set up. But I don't know. I do like that there is very suddenly in this laid-back stoner movie a a gun battle. Right. <laughs> I guess it's just a reminder At that... At night in pitch black. It's yeah. all... It's like so poorly lit. I don't know. It just adds a, it adds another dimension to the movie at the last minute. I get a reminder that shit is still real, I guess, and stuff could go down at any moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then final nitpick on my part, I think maybe you guys disagree. I thought it, I found it a little. Did you guys think that Nia Long as Debbie would be that attracted to Craig, where he didn't really, <laughs> you know, like maybe he was she kind of like harbored some feelings to him before yeah. the events of the movie because yeah. it seemed like she was already kind of, but. He didn't really have to do much to like. Hana, what do you I mean, I guess he knocked what out do, Debo. Why not, um, <laughs> nah, I'm just curious what you make of it. Yeah, that you know. Conveniently written into the script by Cube. And- right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I see what you're doing here. Fine, fine. Um, yeah, I think the idea that if there are people who have like been sharing space with each other in this way, like know each other from the neighborhood, like there that there's some like prior existing relationship there that would then blossom into something else. Sure, I believe that. Do I believe that over the sequence of this one day out of nowhere? Nia Long suddenly fall. No. Yeah. Yeah, that element at the ending of the movie feels very. (laughs) (laughs) It feels so so abrupt. Yeah, it's a very clear reminder that, like, um, one, a man wrote this movie, not just any man. Ice Cube wrote this movie. You know, like. You know what's weird? It's that it feels unearned, even though the ending is not they make out and go home together immediately. It's just Nia Long saying, I'll call you tomorrow. But even that feels unearned. (laughs) Yeah. Like, why is she calling you? What does she want to talk to you about? Oh, right. uh, first time screenwriter. <laughs> Actually, uh, one maybe nitpick, and this might have gone in what age the worst. What do you guys think about Felicia and the by Felicia? The, well, not by Felicia, but Felicia the character. Just mm. kind of like a lot of 90s movies have just like a roving crackhead. Yeah. You know, like, a that's, roving that's, crackhead. That's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we oh talked about it. too. It has the dude. Yeah, 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 but there's a specific yeah. like weird like a light-skinned crackhead woman in, like, a lot of different movies, I feel like, just kind of, like, comic relief slash pathos? I don't know. Yeah, there, yeah. there's a weird way just, like, that there's, like... begging for money. And yeah, like, and also weirdly kind of not exactly, but a little bit sexualized. Exactly. Like, there's, there's, there's a weird undertone there, definitely. Um, I think my nitpick with that is actually not even the existence of her character, which, like, feels so iconic at this point that it's weird to think of the movie without her, but it's a spelling of Felicia. Which, as they have it spelled, is F E L I S H A. <laughs> and so, whenever people will write out by Felicia, which is very common now for all sorts of reasons that we don't have to get into, um, they're spelling it wrong. Yeah. So, it just, you know, just a question there. Why? They should check the IMDb and get the spelling yes, correct. Yes, exactly. Before they should any- do half ass internet <laughs> research, is what they should do. All right, coming to the end here, close to the end, would this movie have been better with Danny Trail? Wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, this, this is a late addition to the rewatchable Um I went back and forth on this because He could have been Hector, maybe. Yeah, I feel like the obvious choice if like you just saw all the characters and nobody had been cast yet of where to put Danny Trejo would be as Debo, but like you can't take out Tiny Lister. So Yeah. Yeah, so, Danny Danny Trejo's not big enough to be Yeah. Debo. So I'm gonna say no, but Yeah, I'm with you. I'm yeah, no. Sorry. Sorry, Danny. Now, best quote. I'm not even going to read all the fucking quotes I wrote down. <laughs> I think we're just going to have to say what our favorite quote is because there's like I could be sitting here reading for 15 minutes. <laughs> so one for me, just personally in my life, is the obvious. You ain't got to lie, Craig. <laughs> just amazing. Um, Said by Joy. Hello. 
Who the fuck you go to the show with last night? I didn't go to the show last night. You ain't got to lie, Craig. You ain't got to lie. Ain't nobody lying. Said by Joy uh, when she accuses, you know, Craig of engaging in infidelity in some way. Um, The thing is, that scene is so much funnier because I rewatched it, you know, as an adult and noticed that she has a whole ass man in the bed with her when she says (laughs) this. So, like, not only is she being, like, dramatic and saying this, like, you know, amazing line, but she also is literally being, you know, a hypocrite. Uh, So there's that. And then the very last... Uh, smoky line when he's like you know allegedly gonna go to rehab or whatever for weed which is a hilarious concept but he just goes and kind of faces faces the audience directly and just says like I was just bullshitting (laughs) (laughs) and like it just brings everything together in a way where you're like oh it kind of bursts the sort of after school specialiness of it Um, and I love that my favorite bit in the whole damn movie is when it's one of the it's one of the scenes when I think it's after Debo's uh punched red in the face and red sulked off and, <laughs> and Smokey is talking to Craig he's like man I got mind control over Debo he be saying something and I be quiet when he leave? but then he leave and I be talking again that's a good one that's a good one Smoke, I think Smokey has so many that it's hard for me to pick one I'm just going to go with, and you know this, man. <laughs> and, and, and like you ain't got to lie, Craig, and like by Felicia, these have all lived on in memes and are useful today. Yeah, yeah, so. And in other Chris Tucker movies. It's weird. Like yes. so many little bits and body language things he does in this movie, he carries over to the Rush Hour movies. And I'd be remiss, too. We mentioned the Bernie back R.I.P. pastor scene, but... The call and response between you know, twenty twin 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 is an amazing part. So, so yeah, I mean, best quote. They're all best right. quotes. How do you? Yeah, yeah, how do you choose? So uh, we'll just award it to all of them. Final question: Who won this movie? Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker. Like, Come on, man. Yeah. To Chris. the point that it it pains me, like watching this movie over the weekend. It pains me that Chris Tucker's career is just in, it's just not in the shape that it should be. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's talk about that a little bit because there was Next Friday, there was Friday After Next, both starring Mike Epps, mm-hmm. and then there's apparently Last Friday been in the works and and or like at least hoped for for the last few years, but you know Chris Tucker. Any interview you watch with original Friday cast members, they all say it's because of Chris Tucker that there's no last Friday. Yeah. And, you know, his, his pay scale went up really high. And I think in his defense, he probably doesn't want to fucking play a weed-smoking delinquent at <laughs> age 40, whatever he is. I mean, they could obviously write a different, you know, the evolution of his character. But, but right, what people, are, what people want from this character is probably not what he wants to do at this stage in his career. Right. They should do a gritty reboot of Friday. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Did you guys watch Christopher the Nolan's at, uh, Friday? Next Friday and Friday after next? Cause I watched next Friday. I watched but next not, Friday. Not Friday after next. Which is bad enough that it did not watch Friday. Yeah, after exactly. Next. Yeah. And then there was an animated series. No. Which I watched like two seconds of and it was nope. so bad. I don't know. Her. That I couldn't no, I don't know. Her. Yeah, right, right. Do you think there should be another Friday? No, I'm and very And Chris Tucker much- actually in recent interviews has kind of like cryptically suggested I mean it's funny because pay scale going down now (laughs) I was going to say it's funny because they want to make a rush hour four too and that's also something that Chris Tucker has been on the fence on and Jackie Chan is like the ice cube in that scenario trying to get Chris Tucker so here's the thing I would Chris Tucker's a weird motherfucker I would would a thousand percent take rush hour four over over last Friday yeah 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 same because it's just like again it's the dynamic just by virtue of age I don't. I'm less confident in how you would it's build not, a Friday uh, movie around 2017 Chris Tucker and Ice Cube. Whereas I think Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker could still get could it. Could reprise an older, like a more mature version. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, there's something that's kind of quintessentially youthful about the original Friday that right. I think is gonna. Yeah, it, it's gonna be weird for 45 year olds to be right. sitting on yeah. the porch. Yeah. Rush hour like, is totally down like, for some. Have, like, do you have kids now? <laughs> yeah, you know, like, like, do you still smoke? Do you hide it from them? Like, it's. it's I mean, it a could lot be like a you know like a creative rewriting of their or you know a, as I was saying an evolution of their characters. Like maybe Smokey's now. 
on the straight and narrow and Craig's a pothead. I don't know how you do it. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like one the reason that people enjoy or what people want from sequels is frequently like an extension of the original story that they fell for, you know, the original characters that they loved. And I think in order to make it work, you'd have to change it so much that it wouldn't work for audiences in the same way. So let's just leave it be Friday. Right. Rush Hour 4, though. <laughs> Just don't yeah, make the same mistakes as Lethal Weapon 4. <laughs> don't make those mistakes and you'll be okay. Don't make the same mistakes as Lethal Weapon 4. On that note, on behalf of Justin Charity and Hannah Georges, this is Donnie Kwok signing off for The Rewatchables. I know you don't smoke weed. I know this. But I'm going to get you high today. Thanks again to Proper Cloth, the leader in men's custom shirts. At propercloth.com, ordering custom shirts has never been easier. Create your custom shirt size by answering 10 easy questions. Shirts start from $80 and are delivered in just two weeks. For premium quality and perfect fitting shirts, visit propercloth.com and use gift code rewatchables to get $20 off your first custom shirt today. Thanks again to Hotel Tonight, an awesome app for finding and booking great deals at great hotels. No crashing on an air mattress in your childhood bedroom this year. Instead, lock down your holiday plans with Hotel Tonight. Book a room up to seven days in advance everywhere and up to 100 days in advance in certain major cities. Or wait until the last minute if that's more your speed. You can make a break for it when Uncle Tony starts talking politics. Whether you need a room for tonight, the holidays, or beyond, you definitely want to download the Hotel Tonight app.